Welcome to our online listeners. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for the people who are in the room. Your message notes will be projected behind me. You can also download the app if you uh, go to cdac.ca slash app, and uh, it'll, it'll appear. To access the notes, just at the bottom of the app, connect on media, Impact YXE, and today, Celebration Sunday, you'll find there the notes. You can add to them, you can save them and share them, and you can also access your circle group uh, discussion guide. So it's all on the app. Well, today we're wrapping up this series of messages called Impact YXE. And we're celebrating what God has done in and through us. Now, I should just mention, for those of you who don't know what YXE is, and we had a question about that one time, that's kind of the, the name of Saskatoon. If you go to the airport, that's the code for Saskatoon. So we started several weeks ago by stating that Jesus introduced some really new and radical ideas as he launched the people of the way or what came to be known as the church. And the individuals within that church are known as Christians. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. And so often he would, you would find him teaching from passages in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant. And some of those passages were really harsh. And Jesus would say, you know, here's what the law says, but I say to you. And so in one of those uh, messages in Matthew chapter 5, he said, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy." That was the law. And Jesus went on uh, because he was teaching from the Jewish scriptures where it quotes the law of Moses. And instead of explaining this verse, he says, but, and they would have thought, you never have a but after a law unless it's but of course. But Jesus was greater than the law. And he says, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven who causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so he expanded what it meant to live in congruence with being in a relationship with Jesus and with God. So this idea of loving your enemies and praying for them, and when somebody hits you in the cheek, turning, turning the other cheek, if somebody required you to go one mile, you go two miles. These were radical ideas for the audience of Jesus. These were values and counterculture, and they were difficult. And Jesus consistently raises the bar, and it would be a new way of living that would catch the attention of those 
who watched his followers. We have said over the course of the last few weeks that the generosity of the early believers is what attracted people to faith in the first place. The early Christians did not have political power. They didn't have a superior doctrine. They didn't have military might or financial resources. All of the things that help movements thrive were not at the disposal of those early Christians. It was generosity. It was their ability to love. It was their ability to help even those that were their enemies that caught the attention of the first century. I like what Mark Twain has said. Kindness is the language with the, which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. I think most people in this room want to make their life count. We have explored the idea that living a life of generosity is the way to living a life of significance. Sacrifice equals significance. This is a value of every Jesus follower. This is not just for a few select people or those that have ex extraordinary wealth. This is for every person who names the name of Jesus Christ. We are called to be people who are generous. In fact, there are some myths that have evolved over time. There's the cultural myth that people begin generosity when they're rich. But I have discovered if you haven't learned to give a tenth from your allowance and from a minimum wage job, when you really make it in the big leagues, that tenth looks like a big amount, and the temptation is not to give it. So people begin generosity when they're rich is a myth. The other myth is it takes a pile of money to be generous. And we're going to see this morning that it really doesn't. And the third myth is we are not rich. I submit to you, everybody in this room, if you've had a hot breakfast or anything to eat at all, if you had a coffee this morning, you're rich. A lot of the world does not have the things that we have. And as a church, we're proving that these are myths. Collectively, we are doing our small part, which adds up to something great. Our generosity makes a difference. One of the most compelling arguments for the Christian faith is the simple fact that it has survived. And now a third of the world identifies as Christianity. The odds against us were incredible. If you look at the typical building blocks that result in a, in a movement that has longevity, Christianity had none of them. The longest enduring movements throughout history were political interests backed by military might or social efforts fueled by the power of the people. Some of these movements had superior weapons. Others had powerful unions. 
Even peaceful protests that we know have succeeded because of their appeal to the sympathy of the masses of people. And it resulted in a political power. The first century Christians were not organized. They had no buildings. They were not recognized by the government. They had no charitable status. You couldn't deduct your donation on their tax form. In everyday society, they were basically considered a cult. Their doctrine seemed kind of weird. While in the Roman Empire, people believed in many different gods, which sacrificed to them. And here were the Christians. They had one God. They remained utterly powerless for three centuries, ostracized socially, persecuted politically, tortured physically. Yet somehow, this movement of Christianity began to thrive and grow. And by the third century became the official religion of Rome. A number of historians have dedicated their careers to understand how Christianity could not only uh, survive, but how it also thrived. Their conclusions are nothing short of remarkable. Here it is. Christianity had none of the conventional strengths required to start a movement. Its appeal and influence can be traced to an unexpected source. Generosity. Generosity. The hallmark of Christians in the first century was not their wealth. They had none. It was not what they believed. Their theology was weird. And religious people could not understand them. What gave them leverage was their inexplicable compassion and generosity. They had little, but they gave what they had. They received little compassion, but were willing to extend what they had to the people that even hated them. They were hard to ignore. I cannot overemphasize what a monumental shift this was for the, for the people of Jesus' time. The Greek and Roman eras was different from today. The guiding principle of how to treat people was not like our Western world. They had no charter of rights and freedoms. The rule of thumb for courtesy and etiquette and decency was summed up in a Latin word called liberalitas. It meant you give in order to get something back. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. The whole idea of generosity was this. Find someone you can do something for so that they would owe you. And that was the era, the, the tone of the culture that the Christians first began. We don't understand this because, for the most part, we know about sacrifice. It is the call of duty of the public service. It's the benchmark against which we measure things such as honor and integrity and faithfulness. We honor people who, who have sacrificed something for our benefit today. This coming month, we'll celebrate Remembrance Day. 
honoring the heroes that fought in order that we would have freedom. In the first century, this did not exist. I like the story of that survived antiquity records, the saga of a man whose name was Pocomius. He was 20 years old when the Romans came and took over the town of Thebes where he was living. Pocomius's parents were both pagans, but when the Romans came, his life changed forever. The Romans collected all of the young men in order to fight in the battles to expand the empire, and they would lock up these young boys in case they would, they would run away. And so they were in prison. Pocomius was there with all these other young men in the prison, and a famine broke out. And lo and behold, some people would come at night with scraps of food, bread, and put it between the bars of the prison. Night after night, these mysterious people came back. And as a result, Pacamoas and his friends survived the horrible famine. When it was over, Pocomius asked his, this question, who were these people? Where did they come from? And why in the world were they feeding us? The answer bewildered him. The strangers were members of a group known as the followers of the way. Galileans are now known as Christians. Pocomius sought out these weird people and also became a follower of Jesus. So he himself became weird. Everywhere Christians went, they were known for their generosity. It seems to be different in our experience, doesn't it? I remember sitting at Coffee Row in Arizona where I, Bev and I go each year. There's a group of diverse people from all over the country. Some of them have Christian roots and background, but all of them hate the church. They hate Christians. They think we're hypocritical, judgmental, homophobic. On and on the list will go. When Richard Dawkins, the known atheist, spoke to crowds of the university about his problems with Christians, crowds would cheer in affirmation. We are not that well-liked. We are known as a big mouth against most things. Why are we not known what, what we are for? We should be known for being the most generous people in the world. We currently have a reputation for being stingy. Ask any waiter or waitress after a Sunday crowd at the restaurant. We don't have that great a reputation. In light of all that we have said, we've had the opportunity in these weeks to be generous. Change the reputation to be more like our leader, Jesus Christ. Of him it was says for, said, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. Do you know that if we have a household income of 
between 44 and 45,000. We are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. So we looked at Paul's advice to rich people because we're basically rich. All of us, we're rich. And Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Because you can get arrogant if you're really rich. Nor to put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And there it is again. To be good at being rich in this present world, do good, be generous, and share. Isn't that simple? All of us who are rich can do this. And that's what we've been focusing on the last several weeks. That we can do good. We can be generous. And we can share. Years ago, we were wondering if we needed to start some types of, of kind of side works, maybe in the inner city. And then it dawned on me that there are great people doing great things within our community, and why couldn't we partner with them? And we can do good with them, and we can be generous with our resources to them, and we can share. And friends, we found some of the greatest partners in this city who are doing phenomenal work, and we are so glad to be in relationship with them. Last week, I've challenged us to give a percentage of our time to help others to do good. And then, last Sunday, I encouraged spontaneous giving. And we looked at that crazy video of my debut into acting, watching late-night television when something for $39.95 came up on the screen, and I bought it over the phone. And we all had a laugh, right? And I said, you know, we've made enough dumb purchases in our life. We could do something good and we could be generous. Why don't we give $39.95 or multiples of that? And you responded. So I want you to watch this video right now. Isn't that just like Christmas? It's fun. <laughs> It and was a fun day. It <laughs> was a fun day. And Sherry is here to, uh, as Director of Operations, but she also manages uh, the, our mission impact, both locally and globally. And uh, thank you for what you do. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm going to have our partners come to stage with us. That was such a fun day for us. You saw the grand total over two years, $36,901. So give yourselves a hand. That's pretty amazing. Last Sunday, on one Sunday, we collected $13,065.95. So thank you for your spontaneous giving last week. Yes, thank you very much. Come on up here. We'll get everybody lined up. It was such a great day visiting our partners and sharing your generosity with them. We also got to hear more stories behind the scenes that we didn't put on the video, but just ways that these partners are connecting with people in the city and just blowing our minds with the great work that they are doing. 
Each of our partners is vetted and chosen based on the integrity of their organization, the validity of their mission, and the outcomes that are impacting our city. And we're just excited to have our partners with us here today. Uh, Eldon's got a mic. If you could introduce yourselves and just tell us what organization you're with. I think most people know me, but I'm Shelley Phaedro. I work at WPBA Community Schools, and I'm kind of representing community schools in Saskatoon and the work we do. And I'm Jennifer Humble from Big Brothers Big Sisters, and I kind of do our school-based programming. Hi there, I'm Kim Megacy from Big Brothers Big Sisters, and I'm our executive director. I'm Renee Yeager, and I'm with uh, the Large Workshop with my partner, Wyndham Thiessen. So you know my name now. Uh, I'm the director of Large Saskatoon, and we're uh, people with and without disabilities building community together. Karen Lilly. Karen Lilly, Circle Drive Special Care Home. Some of you may not know that we have a 50-bed nursing home and 100 units of uh, seniors' housing, and 25 of those units are low-income senior rentals. So part of our vision as a church was we wanted to help those who are vulnerable as they lose some health function and provide housing for seniors. So it, I'm glad that uh, one of our partners is doing a good work on behalf of our church. Good morning, everyone. I'm Giselle Dole, and I'm the executive assistant at the Saskatoon Downtown Youth Center, better known as EGADS. EGADS. Good morning, everyone. I'm Anna Pasek. I am at the Lighthouse Supported Living. Good morning. I'm Jim Mills from Saskatoon Youth for Christ. And, and what program? Oh, the Youth Drop-In, sorry. Youth Drop-In <laughs> Center, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Barbara Piper, and I'm with Days for Girls. Good morning. Diane Mamcher, and I'm also with Days for Girls. Good morning. I'm Jason Mercury. I'm the Executive Director at Aid Saskatoon. And I am Brad Mayer. I'm the Outreach Director at City Center Church. <laughs> Thank you. And we're just so thankful for our partners. And we all know that as nonprofits, we need resources. Without resources, none of us can fulfill our mission. So today, I'm going to get you guys all to grab your phones out. So I'm going to get you to do this with me, and I'm going to teach you what you can do to help our partners today. On the left-hand side of the lobby as you exit, there are three tubs. Give food, uh, give gifts, give um, a hygiene items. That type of idea is back there. And let's say... Uh, let's go to the Circle XYE app so everyone's got that out. Are you doing it with me? I'm going to wait till you get your phones out. So come on, do this with me. All righty, we're going to press on the Circle XYE app. Then you're going to press on Impact YXE. At the home, you're going to choose what, pardon me? At the home page. Uh, yeah, right on, right on the front, not the media tab, right on the front, Impact YXE page. And then choose what you want to do. There's give time, give food, give, give gifts, give money. So let's say today we're going to give time. So we'll click on that. You'll scroll down. You'll see a place to enter your email, your name. Then you scroll down a little further. You look for some opportunities. There's an opportunity on there right now. I see Aid Saskatoon. You're moving into your building tomorrow. Probably need a, sets, a couple sets of hands to help with some stuff, so there's an immediate one you can help with. I see Big Brothers Big Sisters need some in-school mentors. 
I see WP Bay needs some KHL hockey coaches. There are a lot of things you can do. So you just pick the thing you want to do, you hit submit, and it comes right in. Our partners are going to be in the lobby. You might have saw the displays as you came in. They will be in the lobbies at the end of the service. If you stop by, you can hear a little bit more about what they do, find a place that you can help, and then make sure you follow through on that commitment to help. I want to say thank you again to our partners. Help me say thank you for being here and for doing what you do. Good job, guys. You may be seated. Thank you. For those of you who have registered for the AGM and the lunch after the service, there's no need to rush. We're not going to open the doors of the AGM till noon, so that's going to give you some time to visit in the lobby, stop by the display partners, and have a conversation. The buckets in the lobby will be up for a few more weeks, so if you've chosen to uh, give gifts, uh, give food, non-perishable food items, the buckets are there. Keep bringing them every Sunday. We'll tell you when the last day is, and then we're going to go and deliver those to our partners as well. So that'll be another exciting day for us when we do that. Again, I want to thank everyone who participated in our Big Ask Sunday. It was a great experience. It's fun seeing Eldon do his acting on the big screen there and then seeing the response you have to the challenge. So we're really excited about that. Um, I just want to remind you that the giving doesn't end there. Impact YXE uh, is part of our generosity mission. So all year long, when you give to generosity, that money goes to support our mission partners as well. So again, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your generosity. Thanks, Sherry. Let's give her a hand. I'll give you a mic. I'm really proud of our partners and what they do in this community, and it's just an honor to uh, come alongside of them and encourage them and wherever we can encourage good work. That's a good thing. And so I'm proud of our church. I'm proud of the generosity of our people. I'm happy for our partners and I'm excited for what they contribute to our community. And I hope at the end of this service you will stop by the tables and interact with them and see what they do. You can ask some questions. We have limited time on the stage this morning. All throughout this series we talked about developing a healthy lifestyle of being rich and making an impact by percentage. And that's the key. Percentage. Percentage on which we live on. Including our time, but not just our time, also our resources. Spending wisely. Determining how much you are going to live on. I like what Steve Geyer said, when those with more than enough decide to live on enough so that those that don't have enough have enough. And sometimes we spend way more than we make. I remember years ago, we had a small group meeting and they were talking about finances and how to budget. And their first activity was, track your spending. See where you spend your money. 
one couple came back at, at the next week for their group meeting and said, we, we just discovered we consistently spend more than we make, which is like the federal government. It's a disaster. <laughs> Spending more than they make consistently. They'd like to give, but they can't because they've spent way too much. So the group said, so what are you going to do about it? He said, well, we decided we're going to give up our smartphones. They wouldn't have the Circle app then, I guess. I don't know. And they were going to give up cable TV. And with those two sacrifices, they could balance their budget. It was as simple as that. But here's the funny thing. God always comes into the equation. 30 days later, he got a job with a cable company, and they gave him a smartphone and cable. <laughs> you can never outgive God. The prophet said, you rob me. And the people said, how do we rob you? He says, because you, you don't bring your tithes and offerings into the temple. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be meat in my father's house. And test me, he says, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. So we said, we need, if we're going to be rich, we need to live by percentage. Make sure we're living on the right percentage. And then we need to save. Some of you don't have an emergency fund. So when there's an emergency, it's a crisis. Some say to me, how much should I have in my emergency fund? At least three months of income. And then you should put 10% away for when you retire. And let me tell you, that's an important principle. Give more than that to your savings, but at least 10%. And then, share. Give 10% of your income, God says. This is a principle all throughout the Old Testament. It is a test to see if we trust God. God owns everything, even the 90%. But he says, test me and give me 10% as an act of worship and trust. Last week I made the point that there is a connection between our stewardship and giving and the state of the world. Our stewardship impacts individuals, communities, and economies. And God's financial plan for Jesus' followers is to give 10%. Remember the slides that we showed from World Vision. It says that if all Christians in North America tithe, we'd have another $550 billion. Think about that. The Christians give just over 2%. Little 2.2 or 2.4. In the Depression, they gave 3.3. We were sliding backwards. But if we gave 10% of our income in every church all across North America, there would be $550 billion. If we took 12% of that, $65 billion, we could relieve extreme poverty for a billion people. 
and we said we could do all these things. Is it there? There. End world hunger, solve clean water, provide universal care, virtually eliminate child deaths, 18,000 a day, guaranteed education for all the world's children, provide a safety net for the world's tens of millions of orphans, just because of the tithe. That's why God instituted it. That's why he says tithe. It was his way of caring for the world. It was his way of saying we can be generous and solve major world problems. And so our stewardship affects individuals, communities, and economies. Here at Circle, this church has thrived because of people in the past who gave their tithe and sacrificed. Many sacrificed and lived a life of generosity so we would have this building and the institutions next door and the ministry that we provide, the tools that we offer our volunteers, the services that people access. When I read the history of those who sacrificed, it brings me to tears. I remember one of the first pastors did not receive enough of a salary that he only could have two meals a day. So at noon hour, he would take a walk. and He walked down Broadway Avenue, and the smell of Nutana Bakery drove him nuts. And I thought, he sacrificed so what we have today is in part because of his sacrificial giving. When Bev and I were first married back in 1977, we were two incomes. I worked for Campbell Soup Company. She worked for an insurance company. And we had a pledge at the church at University Drive to build this building. We made our pledge. Six months later, we felt we needed to go to Bible college to prepare for ministry. The pastor said to me, who happened to be my uncle, he said, I know you're Bible school students. You know, just don't worry about your pledge. And I said, the God who put that amount on our hearts knew that we would be in Bible college. We will fulfill that pledge. And you know what? We did. And we came out of college debt-free. In fact, we had some money in the bank, at least $10. Now... It's all of our turn. I mean, for Bev and I, we have the joy of knowing that this resource is here in part because our investment and the people who founded this church's investment. And here at Circle, this church has thrived because there are people who sacrifice and give. And now we have the joy of knowing our investment is helping this discipline and attitude must continue so the ministry can continue and future generations will benefit. If you like what Circle does, if you are helped by Circle, if your family benefits, then I'm asking you this morning to commit to being a tither, to give a percentage of your income. And I'm asking others to recommit financially to make giving your tithe a priority because it comes with a promise. Give and it will be given unto you. 
pressed down, running over, in good measure will I give unto you. This is the promise of God. Now, if 10% seems steep today, begin with a percentage and test God. Test God. You say, my goodness, the church is after my money. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I want something for you, not something from you. I want you to experience the blessing of God. I want you to experience when you trust God with every part of your life that God will come through for you. That's what I want for you. We never say, oh, the hockey association is after my money. Oh, the restaurant is after my money. No, when there is value, we invest. And I'm calling us to to commitment this morning. I can report to you that we have fallen behind each month since the beginning of our fiscal year. And we cannot continue the financial trend and offer the services without and helping people without our participation. We can't if you can't. Your consistent giving to our general fund is making the difference for many people. Now I'm going to do something this morning that I've rarely done. I'm going to ask that the volunteers come forward this morning to give you a little card like this called the Stewardship Commitment Card, and they will pass it out to you this morning. And it has three statements on it. And one is, I commit to giving 10% of my income. Would you consider trusting God? Just pass them out to the people quickly and so that they have it in their hand. In a moment, Charlotte is going to sing a song. There'll be a moment to reflect and pray. But some of us need to commit to giving 10% of your income. Others will say, you know, that's too steep. But I will start by giving and just fill in what percentage that you will trust God for. I'm so grateful for many generous givers here. Perhaps God this morning is calling you to increase your giving by a percentage. Would you just complete that and give us your name and email and cell number? And we would like to have the opportunity to thank you for your giving. You're standing, I want to just thank those who gave to Impact YXE. Thank you for those who consistently give to Circle. Thank you for those who are making commitments today. I pray that God will bless you. I want to say thank you to our partners who make Saskatoon a better place and make Saskatoon shine. It's a more compassionate and loving community because of their work. And they will be in the lobby. And you can stop by and talk with them and learn more about what they do and how you can help them tangibly. I want to conclude this entire series by saying that Impact YXE is not an event. It is a way of life. It is a movement. And I pray that we will keep this alive in our heart. The Impact YXE on your app will not go away. It's something that we want to do each and every day so that the Christians of this church will be known.
as generous people and loving people. Next weekend, next weekend we celebrate 40 years in this location. And so it's going to be a different type of service, but it'll be fascinating. Uh, Doris Bolt, who is Walter Bolt's uh, wife, will be here. She said, I talked to her on the phone, and she said, I guess there aren't too many living pastors from this church. <laughs> it's been 60 years of Bolt's. So she will be here and lots of different uh, guests to talk about the impact of, of this church in our community and around the world, so you won't want to miss it. I'm so proud of our church. I'm proud of you. Proud of our generosity. May God bless you. So don't forget to stop by to the partners. And then the AGM uh, will begin at 12 noon. Doors will open then, so it gives you a bit of time to interact. God bless you. Go and be good. <laughs>